we've talked for the last five weeks about what heaven has. We're going to talk tonight about what heaven doesn't have. I preached a sermon when I was a young preacher and didn't know any better. Entitled, Ten Things God Doesn't Know. <laughs> One of my deacons was ready to walk out before I ever started preaching. He did the title got to it. <laughs> ten, uh, no, it's ten things God can't do. You know, God can't sin. God can't not love you. You know, that sort of stuff. So it just it was just silliness. But anyway, okay, things heaven doesn't have. Thank the Lord. Revelation 21, 1. Um, where's my book here? 21, 1, is that where we want to go? Mm-hmm. Yeah, only I want to go all the way to 8, so let's just read it. It's in the book. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. We're going to get back to that in a minute. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things are passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the cowardly unbelieving, abominable, that doesn't mean snowmen, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. The first thing I found interesting about this passage is, and I've I probably read this passage a thousand times, and it never hit me. It says in, in verse 1, Also, there will be no more sea. You ever notice that? He's saying the new heaven and the new earth, there's not going to be any sea. Why? Because the living water will be there. Jesus said, if you thirst, come to me. I'm the living water. Uh, there's a river. We know that, right? The river of life. But evidently, there's not going to be a sea. And uh, your pastor and I spent all afternoon today trying to see if we could find a proof text somewhere where we could, you know, argue that point. And we just 
haven't been able to find it. Um, so that's just an interesting, that's, it's not in the book. The book doesn't say that. I just thought it was interesting. There's a, on the sorcerers in that uh, part you just read there, when I read that, I thought, huh, you know, there happens to be this place, maybe a couple of them, in fact, on 377 between here and Walmart. <laughs> yeah. That, um, that uh, they probably look at the cards and read your palm and stuff like that. You think the people are soft or saucers? <laughs> Maybe so, huh? They certainly can be. They I certainly can be. It's like uh, the church we were in in California uh, did a lot of outreach up into uh, Santa Cruz. And there is a big coven in Santa Cruz, California, of, of witches. And every now and then, one, one would come to the church. Uh, I've seen more than one demon-possessed person who came there to do evil leave without that demon. Cool. Saved. And so... Um, was you preaching? No. No, I just was there. I was... Uh, the last one I remember was a young woman who, my job was fairly good-sized church. My job was, um, I, I was part of the security team. And my job was sister pastor. I, I shadowed her everywhere she went. I've known her since I was six years old and just adore her. She's just a wonderful lady, great woman of God. And it was just a real honor for, for me to do that. And one of the ushers came over to me and he said, uh, there's a woman sitting on the front row and she's repeating, kill the pastor, kill his wife, kill the pastor, kill his wife. Yeah. And I said, point her out to me. So uh, I went over and stood by the, back then the stages were all this high off the ground. You know, and so I just stood right there at the end of the stage uh, near where Sister Pastor was and just looked at that lady the whole time. And um, she just got a little louder and a little louder. And I, I took a step toward her and that thing backed up just like that. I mean, her facial expression changed. It was it was very strange, very weird. It was not something I was all that comfortable with, nor was it something I really want a whole lot to do with. <laughs> but um, so when service was over, I got one of the associate pastors. I said, come I said, this lady, she's messed up. And so I said, I'm telling you, she's demon possessed. When you walk toward her, you can see that thing back down inside her. He said, okay, bring her in here, into the green room. <laughs> so we get her and we bring her in the green room and ask her to sit down on the couch. And he comes in and just starts having a conversation with that demon. And for probably, oh, half an hour, maybe 45 minutes, he's talking to that demon, explaining to him that he has to leave, that he can't, he can't stay in this lady, you know, that he's cast out in Jesus' name. And eventually, the thing left her. And when it did, she just collapsed on the floor. And when she woke up, it was like it was two different women. I mean, her her face changed so much. 
and and she just had a, a a glow about her where that evil was before. And come to find out, talking to her, that her sister it was the head witch of a coven up there in the mountains in Santa Cruz, and they had they had put a curse on her, and uh, this demon had gotten in her, and uh, but it was just I mean. It was great to see what what God does, you know. And the sad thing is that in a lot of our churches today, nobody believes those things happen in America. I remember back in 1969 at a Catherine Coleman rally. Yeah, yeah. Well, they come come to where people who are, are... yeah. Are powerful men and women of God. They they come on purpose. Well, this witch started down towards Catherine Coleman uh-huh. from one of the aisles, and Catherine Coleman just points her finger at her and goes, "In Jesus' name!" This woman went down. Boom! She was flat on the floor. Every yeah. time for th- three hours for that service, she kept trying to raise her head, get up, and every time Catherine Coleman pointed her down, yeah. she would go again. Yeah. Wow! And at the end of the service. Uh, they dealt with her, and she got saved. My uh, my first cousin uh, pastors in uh, Missouri. His name's Roger Alford, and uh, he's a spirit filled guy. And uh, at he said he used to go to the the yeah absolutely. Okay, so nothing impure will ever enter it, and that it is heaven. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. There's only one way to get there. There's not several ways. You can't get there by, uh, you know, uh, following Muhammad or Mao or any of these other guys. Allah... That's not Jehovah God. You know, you hear people say that. Oh, well, it's the same. It's not the same. That's a lie. That's a lie. Um, someday, Pastor, let me teach on theology and I can talk about that. But if you don't repent, there's only one place for us to go. And that's just to go straight to hell. Hell is not a nice place. We can't... I think it's as impossible to fathom hell as it is to fathom the glories of heaven. I don't know a lot about heaven. I just know one thing. From what little I've learned from writing this book, I want to go there. I want to go there. Absolutely. You don't have to be real bright to figure out this is the way to go. (laughs) Which amazes me because there are so many people around who, who everybody says are really, really smart. But they're heathens. I mean, to not be a to not accept Christ is foolish. They're 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 not smart. They're fools. The rent's already been paid. That's right. That's right. In Amos Amos four twelve, it says, "Prepare to meet thy God." Boy, that's a serious statement right there. Because the truth of the matter is that on the way home tonight, it could be our time. It could be our time. About, uh, oh, I don't know, a few months ago, I was laying in the back of an ambulance headed from Granbury to Dallas. 
And I asked the Lord, I said, is this my time? Could have been. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You never can tell. Because our bodies are, uh, our bodies all need help. Amen. She took you all the way to the In an ambulance, as my wife would say. Really? Yep. Yep, they wouldn't, they wouldn't let my wife drive me. They said no. Uh-uh. Nope. Nope. And it was about, oh, it was probably <coughs> six or seven o'clock in the evening. And they just. Did they treat you at the I, here? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They treated me here and then they sent me to Dallas. And they decided you needed yeah. something else. Yeah. So, uh, I. And that's that's where I went. But as I'm laying there, looking at my feet, looked at the back window, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, is this it? Am I done? And just as clear as if he was sitting right there beside me, he just reassured me that, no, I'm not through with you yet. You just need to take that. My poor little wife, I got home after five days in the hospital. I guess it was four or five days. And... um She got into the kitchen and just broke up, just started to cry. And I said, what in the world is wrong with you? <laughs> you know, I was, I felt okay by then. <laughs> yeah, so I said, what, what's, what's wrong? She said, I thought you were going to die. So then I just cried a while with her, you know. I mean, dear God. One time she was very, very sick uh, with our first son. Uh, he came home from the hospital after about five days, and she was there more than two weeks. And the doctors told us that the probability was she wasn't going to make it. And uh, I, all I could do was cry. And we were in church, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said a very strange thing. He said, if I wanted her, I would take her. And I just, oh, I can't tell you what that did to me. I just fell out right there on the floor. Just, I, I just couldn't handle that. But he let her live. He let her live, and she's still with me. Amen. So, we can make preparations for that eternal journey right now. Amen. When I go, I really want to go clean. I don't want to have a bunch of anger and strife in my life. I don't want to be upset with somebody. I don't want there to be somebody that I forgot to forgive, you know. And we all do dumb things. That's called sin. You know, we all do stuff that's not real bright. I'm like Paul. I'm the chief among sinners there. But uh, the good news is whatever it is that God can forgive us. Amen. The other good news is that when God writes our name down, he's not going to erase it. He's not going to raise it. You know, the Bible says that when you accept Christ as your Savior, He writes your name in His hand. In the palm of His hand, He writes your name. You ever go to the grocery store and your wife say, Wait, wait, i got a couple things you need to pick up for me. Get your pen out, bread, milk, right in your hand. Then you get to the store and if, the mil- if it didn't run, you open it up and you go, Oh yeah, bread, milk, and whatever. Well, that's the way God is when we get saved. He writes our name right there. It goes in the book. It goes on. It goes in his hand. Every time he opens that hand, he sees you. He thinks about you. 
He loves you. Isn't that cool? So the question that we have to ask is, are we prepared to go? Are we prepared to go? And that preparation can be an easy thing or it can be a difficult thing. Um, as, as Here's our homework for tonight. Go find a quiet space, probably in the bed after the lights are out. And just ask the Lord, Lord, is there anything I need to clean up? And I got some really bad news for you. He's he's going to tell you. Yeah, he's going to tell you. I hate that part. You know, I want him to say, son, you're good. You're cool. You're fine. You got it. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> so, you know, just say, Lord, what is it that I need to get do to get ready to go to the house? My sons and I are, uh, are going on a... Uh, Lifetime dream fishing trip. I'm taking my three sons, my brother, and my first cousin. And we're going to Lake Fork for four days and do nothing but catch big bass. But I, So I was talking to one of my sons yesterday. And I said, okay, here's your part. You're the cook. And he's, he is a chef, so he's our middle son, Dave. He's, he's an excellent cook. But I said, okay, Dave. You are the cook. He said, wait, 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 wait. Who's buying the food? I said, that's going to be split up between you and your little brother. So you guys can go to the grocery when we get there, find everything you want to feed us for the next four days. That's yours. That's preparation for going somewhere. We're looking forward to going. Uh, I pulled the house up on the Internet last night. In fact, I put a picture of it on my Facebook and just, just, you know, we're so looking forward to going to this place. And it's just going to be great. And the the stories and the laughing and probably the crying, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff is going to be there when all those crazy guys get together, you know. I told my wife, I said, we ought to bring a stranger along to videotape the thing. <laughs> I volunteer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lots of volunteers. Yeah. We, might, we, yeah. Might, we might be able to get it, get enough film to get on America's Funniest Videos. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> but uh, every one of them is as messed up as I am, some worse. And so it, it really ought to be a hoot, ought to be great fun. So we're preparing for that. And as I'm preparing for that, I'm thinking, how do I need to prepare myself for the trip home. When I like I like what they said on they created just by speaking. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. John John said he saw a new Jerusalem descending to earth. And then that city called heaven, the heavenly city, will rest on the new earth as the dwelling place of God for all eternity. Um, in in the the uh, our book talked about different kingdoms. Did you notice that the first one is the kingdom of this earth? Uh, since the day Adam first sinned, the world has been under a curse. 
God said to Adam, cursed is the ground for thy sake. And the effects of that curse can be seen everywhere. I mean, you know, we, we, there's, there's ecological disasters. There's what we call natural disasters. Uh, there is uh, uh, pollution. Uh, you know, that, I, that's why we have the EPA, isn't it, to poison the streams and rivers? And then, and then what's there for? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's great. But it's like some, I've heard people say, well, if we're not careful, we're going to destroy this planet. Well, I got news for them. The, we did not make this planet, and we cannot destroy this planet. We can make it look like a burnt desert. You know, we can just bomb each other to oblivion. But we can, we cannot destroy the planet because we did not create the planet. Um, this, this thing of, you know, we all gotta go back and live like cavemen so that the, uh, the earth will be greener and last longer. That's hooey. That's not what the Bible says. Uh, I can't find anywhere in the Bible where it says anything like that. You know, I mean, we're to be stewards of what God gave us. You know, we're to be stewards of this earth. We're to treat it right. Uh, when I was growing up, I learned about uh, ecology from a group of guys who were hunters and fishermen. Because there's, there's no greater ecologist than somebody who loves to hunt or somebody who loves to fish. Because you understand that if you don't manage the wildlife or the fish that are there over a period of time, you can destroy that that spot for game. I mean, look what we did to the buffalo. You know, there are not a lot of those guys left. Um, so, Revelation 22 says, there shall be no more curse. Won't that be great? Won't that be great? We don't have to worry about something being bad. We don't have to worry about something being wrong. We don't have to worry about when I turn over this piece of firewood, is there going to be a, a snake under there? I, uh, I had the opportunity this last summer to kill three snakes. And uh, one of them wasn't very big, but the other two got my attention. And so I did what God has called me to do, and I took dominion over the snakes with a 20-gauge shotgun, and it worked well. It worked well. That's called dominion. I tell my friends who are vegans, vegans is, to be a vegan is not biblical. It's not biblical. In fact, the Bible says, eat the fat and drink the sweet. Yeah. yeah. Remember that song? Remember that? We used to sing that song in church. Eat the fat and drink the sweet. My wife probably knows the rest of it. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So the, the wilderness and the wasteland will, will be glad. And the desert shall rejoice and blossom as a rose. So when we get this new earth, even the desert is going to be beautiful. You know all the desert needs to be beautiful is water. That's it. That's all it needs is water. So there is the there's the the kingdom of this earth. Next it talks about the kingdom of nature. The kingdom of nature. This is where some folks get hung up and they can't get past. 
And what happens is if you is that we have to realize that when we worship, we need to be worshiping the Creator, not what the Creator created, but to worship the, the Creator. In the creation account in the first two uh, uh, chapters of Genesis, it tells us that God created the natural world, that God created this planet we live on. Uh, and put everything there from the uh, bluebird to the buzzard. Butterflies, rattlesnakes, goldfish, and sharks. And then he said, it is good. Now, I suspect that good means more to God than it means to us. To us, we say, oh, the cookie was good. But that's not what God was talking. God was shouting. And he was saying, he did his work for the day. And he said, it is good. And all creation heard it. So whether it's butterflies or buzzards or butterflies or rattlesnakes or goldfish or sharks, it was all good. But sin violated the harmony of nature. Sin violated the harmony of nature. You know, before sin, Adam didn't have any problem walking up and patting a tiger on the head. I mean, Eve evidently was, uh, it wasn't an uncommon occurrence to stand around and talk to snakes. Yeah, you know. So, uh, but, but sin violated the harmony of nature. The Bible says that deliverance will come. Isaiah, Isaiah wrote this in uh, Isaiah eleven six. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf, and the young lion, and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed, their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. They shall not hurry nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord. Isn't that a great promise? Kids can buy snakes, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, you know the the part. Yeah, can play with the snakes and not have to shoot them. Part, exactly. part of the yeah, the part of the country that I grew up in. If you were a farmer and you saw a bear, you went and got your livestock up close to the house, and then you stood there with your thirty out six waiting to see if that bear wanted to come any closer, and if he did, you took dominion over him, you killed him. Uh, but we won't have to worry about that when there's this new earth. Because it says the cow will lie down with a bear. It will truly be a new world. So that's the kingdom of nature. The next is the kingdom of man. Kingdom of man. Not only will the curse of sin be removed from nature, but it will be removed from redeemed mankind. As well, that's you and me. Anybody ever get tired of hurting? Oh, yeah. 
you know, it just seems to come with age. And, and I've, I've always said that the system, how we work the system in this country is wrong. What we do is, you know, you, you work from the time you're 15 or 16 years old till you get to be about 65, maybe 70, and then you quit and do what you want to. Well, by that time, you're tired and you really don't want to do anything. What they ought to do is have you work from 15 to about 35 and then take about 15 years off when you're still young and healthy enough to enjoy life and then go back to work till you die. It just seemed like a better system. <laughs> but Bernie might like that system. <laughs> I had a couple of friends that kind of did that, like from about 22 or so on to about yeah. 30, 35. You know, they they was kind of like, you know, doing whatever and just kind of living off the land or whatever. Well, they'll be working until they're 90 now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got to pay for it. That's, that's gotta, right, yeah. Yeah, you got, you got to pay for it. Back in the day, it was called going to find yourself. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> you never did. Nope. Yeah, guy said uh, my, my ship finally came in and I was at the airport. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, me. So anyway, the kingdom of mankind, the Bible goes on to say that there'll be no more death. Won't that be great? No more death. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of going to funerals. It It just... The older I get, the more funerals I go to. It used to be that I would go to ten weddings before I'd have to go to a funeral. And now today, it's 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 more funerals than it is weddings, you know. And I just, I'll be glad that goes away. No heartache, no dying parents, no, no dying children, no farewells of husbands and wives, no cemeteries or tombstones. There'll be no more sorrow. The heartaches and heartbreaks of earth will be over. Disappointments and failures will be long forgotten. I like that word forgotten. I like that word forgotten. No matter what happens when I get to heaven, most of the things that I'm dealing with now, will I will have forgotten. And that's good. Disappointments and failures will be forgotten. Sorrow will be no more. There'll be no more tears in heaven. No more tears in heaven. The Bible goes on to say, When we get to heaven, our Lord will set all things right, and he will wipe away our tears. I think there'll be two kinds of tears in heaven. I think there'll be the maybe three kinds. There'll be the tears of sadness that Jesus will wipe away. There will be the tears of gratitude that we're there. And there will be tears of joy that those that we loved here on earth are there. Are there. Yes, sir. Um, I heard scientifically that we have two kinds of tears. That our crying and weeping tears are different. A different tear than, than our tears of joy. Of joy. Yeah. One in the salt or the alkaline, ah. and then it's higher than the other. That's cool. That we actually do <coughs> have two kinds of tears. Two kinds of tears. Wow. Wow. 
the next after the kingdom of mankind is the kingdom of God. One sad thing that we have to understand is that some people will not be in heaven. Some people will not be in heaven. No matter how much the megachurch pastor tries to uh, paint over sin and call it something else, sin is sin. And there are certain things that God says, I will not have in my house. And that's not our choice. We didn't have anything to do with it. Before the foundation of the earth, God knew what God was going to have. Revelation 21.8 says this, But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. I wonder how many politicians are in that place. Right, just, a, just a question. Just a question. Just a question. I'm just <coughs> My daddy used to say that how you know they're lying is their lips are moving. <laughs> yeah. So that's, you know, that's a depressing thing. It's not depressing to us because we don't. If you're not saved, if you're. On your way, you can turn. You can turn. That's why witnessing is so important, is is that if we just repent of our sins and turn to Jesus, this stuff goes away. Goes away. Uh, if you don't repent... Let's read Revelation twenty one twenty seven. It's about halfway through my Bible. Oh, my notes. Uh, Revelation, what did I say? 21, 27? Yes, sir. And I love it. It's from page 1383 if you got the right Bible. Nothing impure will ever enter, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. 